Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Families can seemingly argue about anything. Any topic from politics to sports to whether ketchup should be allowed on steak can tear rifts down a dinner table that can only be healed by dessert. Sometimes even a hot apple pie with vanilla ice cream on top falls short of armistice, but the carb comas that inevitably follow at least give everyone a chance to cool down. For the Porter family, the argument on Labor Day weekend was about a staircase. My buddy Grant Porter told me about the disagreement and its bizarre aftermath, and I simply must share it with you two. It's one of the strangest darn things I've ever heard. Grant is someone I wholeheartedly trust. He works with me at the Barilla plant in Ames, Iowa, where we operate a couple of industrial dryers. He's the kind of guy that shows up five minutes early every day and doesn't touch his sick leave. He'll show up to work with the sniffles and still smile right on through his whole shift. He's solid that way. I've never seen him come in bleary-eyed or hungover either, which is why I found it so odd to see how he looked the Tuesday after Labor Day. Grant only came in three minutes early, and he didn't greet anybody on his way to the lockers. I watched him shuffle across the floor with his head down and his shoulders slumped. Even with such a defeated posture, the guy still looked as strong as a cage fighter. But I know him well enough to see past the wiry muscles into the soft underbelly of his mind. When I went over to him, Grant didn't say hi or smile or even wave. His eyes were red and a little sunken in. Dark, grocery-sized bags hung beneath them and threatened to drag them down to his cheeks. His woozy eyelids were all that held them in place. He also hadn't shaved in maybe two or three days. I noticed his facial hair was still dark, even though gray was creeping in up top. I asked him, You feeling alright, buddy? Might be time to tap into that sick leave you've been hoarding. Grant waved me off and shook his head, saying, Nah, I'll be fine. Just a long weekend with the family. You know how it goes. Well... I don't personally know how it goes too well since all of my family lives out in Colorado and we don't see each other much, but I guessed what he meant anyway. It seemed like he had something heavy on his mind, hence the hanging head. 
but I'm not one to pry, and it seemed like Grant wanted to be left alone. At lunch, he was sitting up a little straighter. Maybe putting his mind to work had loosened up some of the other thoughts that had been clogging it up and weighing it down. I sat next to him and asked how he was doing. Better, I think. It's good to be back at work, he said. I asked, something happened with your family over the holiday? You could say that. It's real strange, so I don't know how much I want to talk about it. The long and short of it is my sister got in a fight with the rest of us about something from our childhood and, well, she proved us all wrong, sorta, and, well, now we've got more questions than answers and there's just a lot of stuff to work through. Family drama, right? I chuckled. Grant's steel-trapped lips didn't bend at all. I dropped the humor and asked, is it something bad? You could say that. The steel trap only opened to allow a cold turkey sandwich in after that. It took me about a week to get the full story from Grant. I think he needed some time to process it on his own before sharing it with me, which I can understand now, having heard it myself. Like I said, or at least alluded to, if this story had come from just about anyone else, I would have tossed it in my brain's junk bin along with Paul from HR's Bigfoot sighting and most of our boss Will's claims about his ex-wife. Here's the story as Grant told it. They were all having dinner together on Sunday night at his mom's house. Grant had brought his wife Alyssa. Also in attendance were his sister Fiona and their Aunt Julie. Aunt Julie had been married once to a man named Louis but he couldn't put up with her and split. Those are her own words. Aunt Julie, from the sound of it, is an eccentric character. Grant describes her as the artsy type. She gets by on alimony and meager craft show profits. I guess she makes pottery or something. Anyhow, Julie's old house where she lived before marrying Lewis came up in conversation around the dinner table somehow. Grant's mom was saying how she always thought the place felt a little off and was glad Julie didn't live there anymore. Grant said he had kind of liked the house because it had a big yard full of big trees to climb and play around, and Fiona agreed that she thought it was a fun place. Except for the staircase around back, she had said. What staircase? Aunt Julie had asked. The one on the outside of the house that led up to the second floor. I don't remember any stairs outside, their mom had said. Were there? Nope, sorry, you've got some scrambled memories, Aunt Julie had said. Fiona insisted. No, they went up to that locked door on the second floor. You don't remember that? I always thought you had someone renting the room above the garage, and I figured that door was how they got in. Uh, no, I never rented any rooms to anyone, and there wasn't a room above the garage, Julie had said. I swear it was there. Fiona had started getting frustrated at that point. She had looked to Grant for help, but he said he didn't remember any stairs or a room above the garage either. Listen, Fee, I think I would remember if I'd been sharing my house with some tenant, alright? I'm getting old, but not that old yet. So what, I'm crazy? Fiona had shouted. Grant told me Fiona generally had a short fuse, but that everyone at the table had still been surprised by the fervor of her outburst. He says she seemed so certain of her memories of this staircase that even Aunt Julie had started to back off. Grant and Fiona had only visited that old white house two or three times, and Aunt Julie had lived there for almost five years. She certainly should have had a better recollection of it, but Fiona was just so adamant. It wasn't worth ruining dinner over. Why don't we just forget about it, Grant had suggested. 
Absolutely not, Fiona had yelled. She then stood abruptly, knocking the back of her chair against the wall and rattling some wine bottles in their rack. I cannot sit here with you all and pretend to enjoy this meal while you all think I'm crazy. Julie had assured her, No one thinks you're crazy, Fee. Please, just let it go and enjoy your steak. Well, that really set Fiona off, apparently. She heard unintended condescension in her aunt's tone and stormed into the basement, leaving her steak to go cold under its sinful ketchup blanket. Grant's wife offered to go talk to her, but Grant had told her to stay put and let his sister have some space. The rest of them thought that had been the end of the whole thing. But thirty minutes later, as Julie and Grant's mom were dishing out dessert, Fiona had come barging through the basement door and slapped a VHS tape down on the counter. Where's your tape player, mom? she had asked. Oh, what now? Fiona had held up the tape and showed everyone the white label on its side. In fat sharpie were the words, Visiting Julie, Summer, 1982. Grant says his mom rolled her eyes and told Fiona the tape player had to be plugged in, but it was under the TV. Fiona got busy setting up the old machine while the rest of them tried to enjoy some apple pie with ice cream. She was still working when they had finished eating and had started cleaning up. Suddenly, she burst back into the kitchen. It's ready! Get in here so I can prove I'm right. Grant says the only reason they all followed her into the living room after the way she'd been behaving was because they'd all thought the tape would allow them to move past the disagreement. He didn't even care who was right anymore. What is it those sports announcers say when there's a questionable call on the field? Let's go to the tape. The rest of the family found seats while Fiona stayed crouched in front of the TV stand so she could control the tape player. Everyone ready? She had asked. They had all nodded. Okay, don't hold it against me when I prove you all wrong. Fiona pressed play and the family had watched little Grant and Fiona run around the hood of a late 70s Ford. Their mother had taken the video from the driver's seat to show their excitement upon arrival. You and that camera, always rolling, always had to watch what we were saying back then, Aunt Julie had said, tossing her head back and chortling. It was also new back then. It felt like something out of the future to be able to record all these moments. Funny watching it now and seeing how terrible it looks. See how faded and grainy it is? Grant described what happened next in the tape as totally innocuous, which is a word I had to look up later on. It means harmless, safe. Just normal kids visiting their somewhat less than normal aunt. He said the tape Fiona had forced them all to watch actually took them on a pleasant trip down memory lane. They smiled and laughed especially when the old tape's warped audio made one of their voices sound funny. It stopped being funny, he said, when one clip ended and another began that showed the kids running around in the backyard. The camera angle was leaving the house out of frame, much to Fiona's frustration. Little Grant walked up to the camera at one point with a toad in his hand. Put him on the video, Little Grant had said. His mom zoomed in on the lumpy amphibian as little Fiona ran off through the yard. Way to go, Grant. We won't get to see the house because of your stupid toad, adult Fiona grumbled, prompting the others into another round of laughter. She hadn't been joking, though, and found the laughter quite upsetting. Now, Grant never really told me exactly what made his Aunt Julie so eccentric. The way he talks about her makes her sound just like a sweet older lady. But I'm wondering if his sister Fiona got a touch of whatever makes Julie seem odd to him. The way Grant talks about her makes her sound a little screwy.
That's just my opinion, I guess, but I thought I'd mention it. Anyhow, the laughter was cut short when the camera swung away from little Grant's toad-bearing palm and towards young Aunt Julie, who was walking towards them from the house now. They all got their first look at the flat back of the White House. No stairs, no apartment above the garage. Just some siding, a few windows and shutters, and a solitary door that opened into the kitchen. Grant says Fiona fell back on her hands and started shaking her head furiously as she groaned, No, 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 they were there, I know they were there. Sorry, Fee, looks like you just remembered it wrong, her mother had coaxed. Grant says Aunt Julie pounced off the couch at that very moment and lunged across the room and hit the bucktoothed pause button on the VHS player. Aw, let's still finish the tape, Grant's mother had said, but Aunt Julie wasn't listening. She was frantically scanning the analog buttons for something. Finally, she found Rewind and jammed it in. The button clicked into place and the subjects on screen began the creepy, twitchy dance Grant remembered so well from his childhood as they were transported backward through time. Oh shoot, I missed it, Aunt Julie grumbled. She jammed the play button, causing Rewind to pop back out. Missed what? Grant's wife had asked. Aunt Julie just held up a finger as she watched the tape intently. There, she shouted so suddenly they all jumped. She hit pause so hard Grant thought she had broke the button. At first, they didn't see anything. Little Grant's shoulder was still in frame, and young Aunt Julie was just stepping into it. The house was almost perfectly centered in the shot. Up here in the corner, Julie had said with a shaky voice. Her hand was trembling as she pointed into the upper left corner of the screen. She began circling something up there. The already grainy footage waved and flickered as the tape player fought to keep it from moving on. The others struggled to see what Julie was pointing at. Alyssa noticed it first, and gasped. Grant says his wife's reaction made him look a little closer, and that's when he saw them. Two pink sneakers floating up in the corner of the shot. The sneakers had two small ankles protruding from them that disappeared off-screen in the top corner. Grant says he remembered those sneakers. They were his sister's favorite. She loved them so much, she had kept them hanging in her bedroom with the laces tied together in a single bow until her later teen years. How? Aunt Julie had asked. Grant had said it must be some glitch. You know these tapes are so old and can get overwritten and... Just let it play, Fiona had said. And Aunt Julie did. The camera focused directly on young Julie, and the sneakers disappeared. But every few seconds when Grant's mom shifted her footing or took a particularly deep breath, the camera would swing a little to the left, and they would see little Fiona's feet hovering up by the roof of the garage. I told you, Fiona had said. I saw the stairs. They were there, at least for me. What were you doing up there? Her mother had asked. She was in tears. Even with her daughter right there, healthy and grown and safe, she had gotten a horrible, nauseous feeling from seeing her feet floating in the air on the tape. How had she not noticed her daughter suspended in the middle of the air? I don't remember exactly, Fiona had said. All I can recall is the man who lived in the apartment above the garage would sing sometimes. I knew he was singing to me. I can still sort of remember his voice. It was sort of high-pitched, but sweet-sounding. Honey, there was no apartment above the garage and no man living in it, Julie had tried to convince her. Just like there were no stairs, Fiona had fired back. 
the rest of them stayed quiet. And so, according to Grant, that's why he showed up at work on Tuesday with baggy red eyes. He said, That house is gone now, so we can't go back and see it. A kid who lived there after my aunt moved burned it down. Fiona seems okay now, I guess, but we're all a little worried about her. We all wonder what and who exactly she saw and heard back then. He took a big, long breath and then said, That's what's really killing me. The wondering, I mean. It's eating me up, and knowing we'll never really have any answers makes it that much worse. Grant doesn't talk about all that stuff anymore, but I can tell it's often on his mind. He always looks like he's carrying an invisible weight on his shoulders, or maybe around his neck. His voice always sounds a little tired. He occasionally shows up five minutes late, and in the last month or so, he's taken three sick days. He probably just needs some time. That's what I tell myself. So, the next time your family is squabbling about foreign policy or the NASDAQ or the World Series, just be grateful to be talking about such benign things. Be glad you aren't uncovering old family secrets instead. Some secrets can turn your whole world on its head and maybe drop it down an invisible flight of stairs. And despite what I've told you was on that tape, try not to worry too much about those things we can't see but are all around us. Grant's doing enough worrying for the rest of us, and it's not good for his health. Just keep your feet firmly planted on the ground, whether they're in boots like mine or in little pink sneakers. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.